Hey guys, Tim Harrison, Straight Up Mortgage Talk. I'm gonna go over Prop 19 today and all the changes that are gonna be impacted by it. I am very honored to have Peggy Hosking from BB&K, which is basically Best Best in Krieger. Uh, pretty big law firm. They basically have 200 attorneys. She's a partner there. They have locations in both California and Washington, DC. And she is the expert that is going to talk to us about Prop 19 and the impacts of it. So I'm really excited to have her on and real honored. Let's get started. Hey, Peggy, thanks for being on the show today to talk about Prop 19. Uh, I knew you were the awesome one to go to when John Tulek, the uh, attorney international extraordinaire guy, told me you were the one to go to. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being on. Well, Tim, thanks so much for having me on. I'm um, excited to answer a few of these questions. And of course, um, always thank you to John Tulek. He is a fantastic international attorney. Awesome. We got to give him some props. <laughs> um, so what are the major three bullet points for Prop 19? And what are some of the advantages and disadvantages? Because I know there's both. Correct. I mean, we tend to focus on what we're hearing in the news, which is, oh my gosh, Prop 19 is so bad for families trying to transfer property from one generation to the next and to avoid property tax reassessment. And that's a true statement. I mean, that is um, you know, something that does affect a lot of families, but the piece that we're missing is um, really and truly that um, previously, uh, if you were over 55 years old, you could transfer the basis in your house to the purchase of another house in certain counties that allowed the cross transfer. And there were only about 10 of them in California. But now based upon Prop 19, you actually can transfer the basis in your house to a new property that can be more expensive than the house that you have sold, which was not the case previously. Um, and it's all throughout California. And you can do that up to three times. And not only do you, can you take advantage of that if you're over 55, but you can also take advantage of that if you have severe disabilities um, or if you have um, lost your home or otherwise been affected by natural disasters. So fire, flood, those kinds of things, earthquake, uh, mudslides, <laughs> you know, all the things that we have here in California. So that actually becomes um, really important. So if you have someone who has, let's say, a $250,000 basis in their home and they sell it, now previously they would have to buy a home that was worth less than what they sold their existing home for. But Correct. if they sell it today and they want to go buy a more expensive home for some reason, they can actually take that $250,000 forward to the new home. And then the only increase in their basis is the difference between the selling price of their home and the purchase price of the new home. So it really makes a substantial difference for them in terms of being able to protect their basis for property tax purposes. Um, so let's see, we've talked about the transfer for those with uh, severe disabilities or have lost a home. Um, and then we've also talked about the blending of the rates, um, the capital gains. Um, so, so that's, I think, one of the things we yeah. didn't talk about is that you had actually brought up to me and I didn't know about, which was kind of fascinating. It was that there's an advantage that, you know, one, it's your primary residence now, I think, is the only thing. So... Um, you can sell that primary residence. You can, for example, people's kids move down to the beach and they couldn't even follow them because they had to buy a more expensive house, but they couldn't afford it because the taxes went up so much or something. Exactly. And exactly. so that would, that would sort of preclude them from that. But a couple of things you talked to me about was the sort of disadvantages of the program are when kids inherit rental properties or investment properties from their parents 
And right. also you said that something I didn't understand is a lot of people were jumping into because of this inheritance thing, throwing their kids on title on these properties real fast before the due date, but they weren't thinking about the potential capital gains. And that's a part I really was interested in because I didn't know that. Yes, absolutely. So um, one of the things that you and I had talked about previously was the fact that under the old um, law, so, you know, sort of Prop 13, you were able to transfer properties, whether they be rental properties, uh, principal residences, commercial properties, farmland to your children under the parent-child exclusion of up to a million dollars per parent, you could transfer that much um, value of property without having a reassessment of property taxes previously. Now it, it must be um, a principal residence. So something to keep in mind is we can't transfer mom and dad's house to a child even upon their death it, and not have an increase in property taxes unless that child intends to live in that property. It, it can't be a, well, we're gonna use it for rental and then well, maybe you know two, three years down the road, I'll use it as a principal residence. No, it's gotta be the first year. Right, so, so that, what about that strategy where you're talking about, hey, let's just dump the kid on there now and then we circumvent this before Prop 19 goes into deal and we're gonna save right. all this money and all that. But right. then you said, yeah, there's a, there's a kind of problem with that potentially. Right. And, and so that issue becomes the capital gains issue. So in California and you know currently federally, we still have what's known as a step up in basis on death. So that is to say that when someone dies and transfers uh, a real property asset to their child or children or other heirs, the property now is re, um, reestablished as the, the basis is the value at the date of death. And so that makes a big difference. If mom and dad bought a piece of property for $50,000, you know, 40 years ago, and it's now yeah. worth a million dollars and you say, great, I want to use the parent-child exemption or exclusion. I want to transfer this property to my child today. Well, that's fantastic, but your child is getting that $50,000 basis. And so when your child then decides, okay, I'm going to live in it for a year and then I'm going to sell it because it's worth over a million dollars now. So now your child's basis is that same $50,000. So they have taxable gain of $950,000 when they go to sell that property. Okay. Well, let me clarify this. So it doesn't even go to when you add the child, like today's value, it goes back to their initial purchase price. And so it's even worse than I thought it was. Yeah, yes, exactly. So, so it goes so back to the parent's basis. Got, oh, and I thought it just went up to what it was today when they were transferred on. So you're saying it goes back to what the parents purchase it for, right. which is even worse. Now so, remember your, your basis can change over time. So if you pull permits, for example, and you're adding a pool or you're adding a garage or an addition, <laughs> your basis is gonna increase a little bit. So it may not be the purchase price, but that's what we think of when we give these examples is going correct. back to the purchase I price. stand corrected. A okay. re reassessment type stuff where you add pools or square footage, you're <laughs> right, gonna get that right. different deal and increase your tax basis by improvements or whatnot. That totally makes sense. So what you're saying is you have to really think about whether you would go ahead and go throw somebody on title right now, because if they decide, your heirs decide to sell that property, they're gonna end up being what would be right now, 20% federal, about 9% state, about 29 to 30% taxes on those capital gains from their parents' original purchase price while they were just trying to save some property taxes and the Correct. kids may not even keep the property. Correct, and so this is going, you know, I, I just had a situation with a family that had a beach house, uh, as you, you know, previously suggested, and it had been passed down from generation to generation. 
Um, there, so now the ownership is really in quarters because there's four siblings that own pieces where their spouses own pieces of this house. Um, but they have, they wanted to make the transfer to avoid the property tax reassessment. Of the four interests that are out there, only one of them had a death recently. So there was a step up in basis for that one. So that is the only one that got transferred now down to the next generation of children because using that parent-child exclusion because it's the only one that had a current step up in basis. Otherwise, they really would have been damaging from the perspective of capital gains, even if right now they don't have an interest in selling the property. When you get down multiple generations and the house is now older, it is entirely possible that there will be a sale event and so we wanted to protect the, the children from that, um, uh, that capital gains uh, delta. So people like you and realtors talking about, you know, to their clients and selling properties and or talking about doing this, they have to one, know that, hey, your property taxes on your investment properties are going to change when your kids inherit them, unless you put them on there, which I don't, I mean, what, they only have a few days left to do that anyway. But the real risk of that is, you have potential for this, this huge capital gains if you do that. And you really should be considering whether is this really a generational home, like a Lake Arrowhead property or like a beach property that you know, like want, you want that to be there for generations and generations, right. because otherwise the tax basis or the, um, the uh, capital gains is going to be way worse than probably any sort of property tax increases on most properties, unless it's been for you know, a lot of generations. Interesting. Well, that that's I think that was one of the biggest things that people miss. So I appreciate you covering that. Um, a couple questions from a couple realtors and referral partners. Can I get into those, or is there okay. more you think for advantages and disadvantages right now? I think you you hit most of the disadvantages at this point. Um, uh, you know, the, it, um, let's see if I have any other notes on here that might yeah. tell me any others. I think you really hit most of the disadvantages. Okay. And the huge advantage is, look, somebody 55 and older can sell their house, go buy a more expensive house and carry their tax base up to what it, the value of the current home is now and only pay the difference of whatever that tax rate is on the additional, which is the whole reason why it passed, because that's more for the masses than these people with multiple properties, inheritance, inherited properties and all that. And so it, it fits for a lot of people. It does. So let me get into the questions. Carol Curtis had a question. Um, and she's a broker here in Claremont, says, if a parent owns a rental property, non-owner occupied, uh, which is currently in a trust, could they add their adult child to the title as tenants in common in order to protect it from reassessment upon the death of the parent? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no I, I had to like think about, wait, is that with them as a trust and them as tenants in common? I'm like, what? Okay, so what we will often see is that folks try to avoid um, putting their property into a trust by using joint tenancy with rights of survivorship as that mechanism, right? Because if you have, if um, a parent and a child are on title as, um, you know, joint tenants with rights of survivorship, then when the parent passes, then everything just passes to the, the child without the need to have a trust. Okay, that is one way that you can sidestep it. I still think it's better to have a trust because that encompasses sort of all assets and it gives a trustee then the ability to make the cleanup items that need to be made sometimes when we're administering a trust. Tenants in common doesn't quite achieve the same thing. Um, and so what you'll end up with is um, uh, to avoid the reassessment, first of all, um, mm -hmm. the transfer has to be complete 
So mom and dad couldn't stay on title and the child must actually live in that property as their principal residence. So this scheme doesn't actually work whether you put it into joint tenancy or you put it into tenants in common for the purposes of avoiding the assessment of property taxes. Okay, so one, I wanna address what I call the, the poor man's trust, which is adding somebody on as joint tenants. So a lot of clients don't wanna go pay for the trust or they don't understand the value of it. And so, and I didn't learn this until last year, 28 years of doing mortgages, I thought I was pretty smart, but I talked to one of my CPA friends who actually straightened me out on this props out to John Allen. So he basically said that if the kids don't live in the house and they do that, and then mom goes to sell the house, that it is a step up in the tax basis at the time they go on title 50-50. And then now when they go to sell it, their 50% is gonna be subject to capital gains based on when they were added to title. I didn't know that. And so he goes, that's why you use a trust. So just so anybody that take, you know, anybody out there, realtors and stuff that have clients that are just say, oh, and I call again, the poor man's trust, you're just gonna add the, all the kids to the title now so that when mom and dad die it just goes to the kids that doesn't work because if they go to sell that property which in most cases they do they're going to have 50 percent basically or whatever percent especially if you have more kids basically whatever percentage of the kids that goes on there's going to be basically capital gains at that time or from that time which i didn't know so that's really well, interesting remember that if you transfer more than 50 percent of ownership interest that automatically triggers your assessment as well so, right. Based on <laughs> correct. Correct. Right. Except parent to child. Yes. As long as you can use that exclusion, which now only if it's the principal residence. Of the oh, so for all of these, it's always that. Okay. Interesting. Got it. Got yeah. it. Okay. So it. It really, really, really undermined on Prop 13 quite a bit. Got it. So Carol Curtis's question, and I know you guys are doing this kind of thing for people who are going to be on property and keep the properties forever kind of thing maybe not tenants in common, but you could create an adult, you can create a trust for the adult child and have the parents be the beneficiaries and, or something like that. I know that you smart people are doing um, and that would avoid it. But again, you'd still be subject to those capital gains if you sold it. But if you knew it was gonna be forever, there is a way to where you could say that second home would be the most common up in Arrowhead or something like that, or a rental property you knew was going to be income producing forever. Talk to me about what some of you smart attorneys were doing was basically creating a child trust. Correct. So, and unfortunately today is the last day in California that you would be able to make those transfers. Correct, but realtors that. will run into but, this. Right. But what so did, they'll know. Yeah. Sure. What we did in order to um, effect those transfers that were, you know, as you say, those legacy properties, so they're not the principal residence, is that we transferred it to the, from the parent to the child. So if the parent had it in a trust, it had to be transferred mm -hmm. in the parent's name, the parent then transfers to the child, uses the parent-child exclusion. Then we take it from the, the child's individual name and we put it into a separate property trust for the child. So whether they are presently married or if they're not married now, then it doesn't have to be a separate property trust, it's just their trust. Um, and then it stays, you know, within that trust. And as you said, the parents can be the beneficiary. So if something should happen to that now adult child, um, that the property comes back to mom and dad um, rather than, you know, some other distribution. So that was how we, we handled it sort of. Got it. Two problems I see with that. If all of a sudden your kid 
you know, and you aren't getting along or something, they have control of that trust right before death, basically. And two, the capital gains issue. So I'm assuming right. there's a bit of pushback and reluctance on that to some right. degree. So and, and okay. each one is a very specific analysis. Um, when we have, um, so there were a couple of them that we did and we did make those transfers because there had been a, a recent step on the basis as in the beach house example that I gave previously. Um, and then there was a, another one that we did recently that also had a step up in basis, not caused by death, but um, caused by some improvements that had been made to the property and, and some other reasons that they were willing to make that change now. Right. I'm guessing there are some people who made a mistake on that and maybe missed the capital gain piece and everything and rushed into that kind of thing. And that's why I kind of want to go over it because I don't know if there's a way to reverse that. But quite frankly, you know, it might be something that people really have to look at. All right, here's the next question. Oh, go ahead. One other quick thing. So we, we do know that, you know, the federal law um, has an impact, right? We've got California law and we've got federal law with respect to step up and basis. And one thing that you should be aware of is that the present administration is talking about eliminating step up and basis altogether. Um, so if that becomes the issue, right? Um, then we're not going to have, it's going to actually be quite difficult when we're transferring properties from one generation to another generation and then there's a sale because there is going to be a substantial capital gains. Then on top of that, our administration wants to increase our capital gains rate to 35%. So right. if you are thinking that this is a long-term goal and you believe that the administration will be successful in these two items. So eliminating the step up in basis and, and, and increasing the capital gains, you may wish to advance your plan a little bit. Got it. And this <laughs> is why they have smart people like you, which we're going to ask you for your information at the end, because I'm not smart enough. And that's why I have uh, you on the, on, the, on the call with me or the Zoom with me so that we can give somebody a referral source to go to smart people. All right. So Kendra Miller, um, she asked the question, can people still use, she called it Prop 60 and 90, which is what I always knew it as, but yeah. then you sort of said, yeah, it's really fit, Prop 58 and 193 until Prop, T, Prop 19 goes into effect in February. And you made a couple of corrections on there, and I thought it was always 60, 60 okay, and 90 so as well. There's two different things there. Okay. Um, so the 60 and 90 had to do with the transfer of your basis. Um, okay. So the, the ability to transfer the basis in your home to then the next home, which had to be of a lower value and it had to be your principal residence. So if the question is with respect to 58, uh, sorry, 60 and 90, then, then that's a correct. Uh, so if she's looking at the basis question um, and the transfer of it, but if she's looking at the transfer with the parent-child exclusion, then that was um, uh, 58 and 193. Got it. And so pretty much once Prop 19 goes in, that whole thing is sort of out and that date is today? So Prop, Prop 19 goes into effect or becomes effective February 16th. Of course, the day before that is Monday, which is President's Day, and um, most reporters' offices are also not doing any recordings tomorrow. So today is really the last day for those transfers. If awesome. the question, though, is with respect to the basis, that is actually becoming effective. That portion of it is effective sort of April 1st. Um, so that's why the question of, gosh, if we make all the transfers after 
April, April 2nd or later, will that be safe? And we don't have complete guidance from the um, DOE and Board of uh, Equalization yet. Um, <laughs> uh, legislature moved a little bit quicker than um, the actual implementation of rules. <laughs> so that's the question I think I asked you where I have some neighbors who bought a house up in Santa Barbara because that's where their daughter is going to going to start raising kids and so they're want to carry their property tax base from something they bought 35 years ago up there and just pay the difference they already purchased that home in Santa Barbara but they have up to how many years to sell this primary residence they've been in and transfer that tax basis up and I believe you also said yeah they should probably not close on this house down here until after April 2nd because we don't have clear directive on that yet that's correct. Yeah, okay. That was the conversation that you and I had separately. Got it. So they can do it. They can, and you can purchase it ahead of time. Could have been a property you purchased ahead of time that you're going to move to. You could just want to now, if you're selling, slow right. your roll until April 2nd on the closing date. So you could actually more safely transfer that. Doesn't mean right. it couldn't happen more safely, right? Right. It just means we don't have guidance, clear guidance yet. And so if, if at all possible to delay the transaction, you probably ought to. Right. For a month's payment, it's probably worth it to be safe, right? <laughs> Always better to be safe. All right. Charlene Bolton uh, had a question here. What if a parent dies and the recipient child will be using the property as their primary residence, but the child's not in a position to occupy the property within a year of the parent's death due to working, like, say, in another area or whatever else? In other words, they're going to retire and then move to this as a primary residence. And I guess what she's looking at is what is the sort of time frame that a child would have to make it their primary residence to keep that property tax basis back My to what theirs. My understanding is that they must intend to occupy it immediately. And what is immediately? It is, again, we don't have clear direction that says, okay. well, is that, you know, tomorrow or is that a month from now? Um, so, you know, the safest course of action would be that when the transfer is recorded, um, so that would have been, you know, by today's date, if we're right. trying to avoid that property tax reassessment, um, then you would want to begin now immediately occupying the residence as your primary residence. Well, let's say mom and dad have the regular trust stuff and then mom and dad die and then they go ahead and get the property two years from now, right? And it just goes from their trust to the kid. The kid okay. pretty much has to move in pretty immediately Yes. to make that the primary <laughs> residence. Okay, so yes. same thing. When we say immediately, you know, it doesn't have to be when mom and dad die because the trust, you know, typically we're not administering the trust immediately. We're, um, you know, putting out a notice to beneficiaries that gives creditors the opportunity to make any claims in sort of a 120 day period of time. So really and truly the effect of the transfer doesn't typically occur for four or five, six months um, at the earliest following the death. Okay. So then that right. would be the point in time where we would say, okay, we really, if what you're trying to do is avoid this reassessment um, on the basis that this falls under this the continuing uh, parent-child exemption, um, then you need to start living in it now um, Got as, it. as your primary residence. And she had a follow-up question and said, what if they rented it out? Which, eh, because I mean, that was that <laughs> goes right against what you just told me. So that was pretty much answered it. You can't then make it a primary residence with any sort of two to five year period of time. Like it's, it's, pretty much immediate within the time frame that you're really handling the transfer of the property. Um, so awesome. So that's- But, that's but again, question. if we're taking the property at the point where the parents have passed, so there is now a step up in basis. Correct. Uh, remember that the property tax is, you know, one to one and a half 
percent. So, um, you know, yes, you'd like to be able to keep the lower number for property taxes, um, but it's more important to have a higher number for purposes of capital gains population because it's a substantially higher percentage of the value. So if right. the thought is ever that the property is going to be sold, you really need to take take that look at that um, at the capital. Correct. You'd rather pay property taxes at a higher level for six months than pay than have your four or five hundred thousand dollars to subject to thirty currently to potentially 40, 45 percent, right? Actual money on that big number. So you can pay property uh, taxes yeah. for a long time. <laughs> A long, long time, which is why when you told me that, I was like, ding, 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 ding. And my son, who's helping monitor this stuff, is on the call. He's going to know why daddy didn't transfer to him. But so <laughs> not really sure he would just take it and run. Let's be honest. All right. You know, depending on one day, I might make him mad. Uh, it, it's, it happens often the way I am. Uh, any questions on Prop 19 that, you know, it's kind of like the, I always look at new loan programs. I'm like, what are the watch out for is what are the things that I think we've covered with the capital gains to all that, but are there any others that you really like, you gotta be careful on and you definitely want to call me or an attorney like me if this happens. Right. And, and I also think that sometimes it doesn't have to be an attorney. It can also be your accountant. They're very, very well versed in this um, calculation and this assessment. Um, so I, I do think that that capital gains analysis is probably the biggest one. One of the things that I think we are going to see is that the transfer of farmland is going to become a little bit dicey because, you know, um, farmland that has been held in a family for a long period of time is going to have a very low basis. Um, but then, of course, when it gets transferred, as California has developed so much and real property values have increased so much, then we're really, really paying close attention to that uh, capital gains basis if the plan is to. Um, to be able to sell the property for development. If the plan is that we're trying to keep the property taxes low enough that the family will actually keep the farm mm -hmm. uh, or keep the property, then that's a different issue. And so you go kind of a slightly different direction. In the Got it. So this is like, you know, this one's for you, Bernadette, all the dairy farmers down there that have had generations of generations, at least in our area, where Chino, these families run these dairy farms and whatever, if they're gonna potentially sell that, and have it developed like many of them do versus keeping running it as the farm you're going to make it you're going to make a determination or help them go guide through what would be the smart move in that case uh tax wise and everything else makes sense awesome uh that's that's really important so um i think we i had a couple other questions from the internet i kind of threw out there just because i was wondering what other people were asking and it looks like you know um is, is calif prop 19 retroactive kind of doesn't apply, right? Because it starts on a certain date and moves forward. Right. So I think we answered that. Um, how does it affect inherited, affect inherited properties? It's basically, if you don't live in it as your primary residence, you're going to have, um, if you haven't already done this weird trust stuff, you're going to basically pay the higher property taxes based on what the current assessed value would be, which means for somebody who has rental properties and all of a sudden their parents were able to cash flow really great on these on these properties, there's a good news and bad news, right? So they can potentially, they're gonna, they're gonna pay those higher property taxes on those properties, which means the net income is gonna go down to them. 
The good news is, as long as you have the capital gains where it is still the, the step up, they could sell them and cash out anyway. Well, and also let's remember that the vast majority of leases, particularly commercial leases in California, are what we refer to as triple net leases. And so the taxes get passed through. And so if you remember that when Prop 19 was on the ballot, there was another prop, I believe it was 15. And this is where they wanted to uh, rescind Prop 13 for purposes of commercial property. And um, you know, one of the oppositions yeah. to that is a very logical one, which is, oh my gosh, um, you know, it sounds great that we would reassess uh, the local strip mall that the grocery store is in, but what does that mean when we take it out a little bit further? What that means is that the property owner is going to receive an increase in their taxes and they're gonna turn around, they're gonna pass it through to every tenant in that shopping center, right? And then every tenant in that shopping center is going to have to make that up somehow. And that is by charging you, the retail customer, more. So be careful what we ask for and right. how we're trying to get. We understand that the government needs to collect more money in order to pay for the programs that they have understood. But you know, what is the actual outcome of this? People think it's great that we're going to increase um, the tax basis for commercial property owners, but ultimately it can come right back to the, the consumer. And to some degree on the residential rentals as well, because if they were, you know, hey, I don't really need to raise rents because, you know, I've got this great tax rate and I'm making enough money. But if all of a sudden, if they don't sell the property, then people inherited it, then it could end up right, you know, having the same effect on the renters on those properties, correct? It can, but there are more protections in place for residential tenants. Uh, so in terms of how frequently you can raise the rent and how much you can raise the rent year over year. Um, and right. so for that reason, um, the impact may not be as great initially on, um, on uh, residential tenants. Makes sense. That person who inherits those properties can just do it a little bit less. Come on, it's all extra anyway. All right. So, <laughs> well, of course, the other problem is that if we add COVID 19 um, issues to those residential rental properties that are being inherited from one generation to the next, I mean, um, those those property owners are suffering right now. Uh, obviously, we think that the, the tenants are suffering, which is why um, we've made these sweeping uh, prohibitions and moratoriums on evictions. Um, but it's going to be difficult for property owners <laughs> to be able to stomach um, these increases in, in taxes uh, with these transfers if they can't then pass that along someplace else. Awesome. One question, and I don't, seems like, I don't even know how to, how to compulate this thing, but it says, how does Prop 19 affect Prop 13? I mean, it's all the changes, right? <laughs> that we just went over. Right. I mean, that's the internet, but it's basically 13's out the window. Everything we just talked about is the new deal. You don't get to pick either or. Right, and 13's not completely out the window. We have driven a truck through it, certainly. Um, <laughs> but there are still things that are, I mean, for example, you know, in, in other states that, for example, don't have state income tax, their properties are reassessed every year. Residential, commercial, it doesn't matter. Correct. Right? And, and, but we're fortunate in California that we do have these protections of Prop 13. So if I buy a home and I keep it for 30 years, I'm not being reassessed unless I'm doing something that's, you know, pulling permits, adding to the value of the property or something like that. I'm not being reassessed. Um, so we still have the benefits of Prop 13 in place. It's just we've taken some of those benefits off the table. 
Right. The, the main reason Prop 13, for people don't know, because it was like, what, 76 or way back when, you know, was so that old people that were retiring didn't have their taxes go up so much that they couldn't even retire in the neighborhood they raised their kids because their property went from 200000 to a million. And now the property taxes would mean they'd have to move out. And so Prop 13, for those people who buy properties here, I mean, first of all, our tax rate at the 1.25%, at least when we're talking about property tax compared to taxes in a lot of these other areas, is very low. And it can only increase one to 2% of the actual tax payment per year, which is very slow increases if property values are increasing. So we have good protection there. I mean, we buy the house, we can afford it. We know what the taxes are and we don't have to worry about all of a sudden not being able to afford that house we love has become our family home because taxes have escalated while we're there. The protection that was lost was really more towards the inherited rental properties and the things where the child wouldn't move into the property or whatnot, which to some degree still protects the main reason why Prop 13 was there. And I'm glad you said that because I sort of didn't think about that. Okay. Um, and then anything course, we should- And it expands obviously on the, the one portion that we were, we were discussing previously, which is that transfer of basis from one home to another if you're over 55. So again, that same theory that we were looking at of why did Prop 13 come into place in the first place, which was to protect older folks from right. you know, being priced out of their homes. And Prop 19 allows somebody to move closer to their kids or somewhere where they might have to spend a little bit more for a property, but they wouldn't otherwise be able to do it for whatever reason, for a job or whatever, to be able to afford going a little bit higher because they couldn't otherwise if the property taxes were going to triple on them. So all in all, it's very useful. And I think for realtors listening to this, it's going to provide people a lot more ability to move where they really want to live, um, which I think is a, a really good outcome. Anything else we didn't sort of catch you think? I mean, obviously there's a lot more and we're going to, you know, my, my next question is how do people get a hold of you if they have like, you know, trust questions? When would they get a hold of you? What is your sort of specialty um, and, and all that stuff? And then like, this is, these are the clients that should call me if they have questions. This is, you know, how to get a hold of me kind of thing. Okay, so um, the how to get a hold of me is that I am a business partner at Best Best and Krieger in the Riverside office. Um, and in that capacity, I primarily serve as an outside general counsel to my business clients and I help them with their succession planning. So that could be their M&A transaction, sell the business or expand their business by doing other additional acquisitions. I do their commercial real estate and in that capacity, I assist them with their estate planning. You should call whenever you have a legal issue because if it's not something that I do, I usually know who does and who to send you to. Um, so by all means, please call or shoot me an email if something legal comes up and you need help and you don't have you know, a next door neighbor or a family member who's an attorney to direct you, please give me a call. And um, oftentimes it's not something that we do at BBK or oftentimes it's not something that I do, but I will find you the right attorney for that. Um, particular transaction. So uh, my phone number, you know, in the office um, is 951-826-8359. And then um, can, or do you have the ability to just put the email address or my contact information up on the bottom of the, um, or at the end? Yeah, we'll go ahead and do that. We'll That's add it to the end of it so you. people can do that. And yeah. then just let me clarify to people. So you're dealing with people with really big businesses, big commercial properties, merger acquisitions, I mean, for people that don't know, BB&K is a big law firm. 
Um, you know, Peggy is a um, partner in that firm. And so they might refer you to your accountant or whatnot. But if you are one of these, I, I don't want to say how, how nice these say it, but big money people, you've got commercial properties, you've got inheritance, you have big things like that. You really specialize in the real big stuff. I'm just, I'm, I'm giving myself props for having somebody of your caliber on here. I'm just saying. <laughs> Right. Well, well, thank you for that. And I'll let my ego, you know, inflate my head just a thank bit. You. you know, truthfully, Appreciate it. I do work it still with, fits within the picture <laughs> frame. So you're okay. I, I do work with everybody from startup and formation. So, I mean, oftentimes okay, I'll get a call from someone who says, hey, I have this idea. And sometimes I'll tell them, hey, you're not quite ready for us, but come back in a year when you've gotten your feet underneath you and I give them some ideas to go away with. Um, so right, but know, I can help them right away. I will. And if it's come back later on, then come back later on. Right. And the good news is, is it's like she's really nice when she turns you down. See that? She's so sweet and she's very. And for, for those people that, you know, think attorneys are so scary and everything, look at how approachable this this top law firm partner is. So, Peggy, I want to thank you so much for being on. Really appreciate the time. I mean, I think everybody's going to learn from this, but I just learned a ton. So I love learning and I really appreciate it. For Thanks, talk to an expert like you is awesome. Thank you so much, Tim. This has been very enjoyable. I really appreciate it.